Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I've told you all before, I'm a little bit of a carnival barker. You know, I like pro wrestling and amusement parks and all these things that some people sort of think of tacky. I, I just love them. I, I, I'm sort of a natural hype man by nature you know i just kind of i just like that kind of stuff you know glitzy glamorous you know stuff like that i've never been to like say branson missouri but i'd probably like it you know i've been to you know las vegas all the stuff in lights i'd probably like all that kind of stuff just because i i just kind of like hype i kind of like uh making something you know fun and making it feel big and every now and then the media you see somebody who even takes that to sort of an extra level and i thought there was kind of maybe an example of that the other day uh via espn you know it's never too early to start hyping up the up, upcoming games, the upcoming season, we think that's always kind of a fun thing to do. We love the off season in college football because it creates a chance for us to sort of have a debate. It helps us pass the time before the uh, the season actually gets here. And some of the crazy stuff you hear this time of year ends up being its own form of entertainment. Well, with that in mind, we talked about this a little bit on Friday. ESPN is going to put out a list of, for their what they call way too early top 25 teams the season defining games for each of these teams now listen as a uh, hype man by nature as sort of a you know uh, amateur carnival barker uh, espn is absolutely sort of singing from my hymn book on this just a little bit with the idea that we can already identify here in march what the season defining game is going to be this fall and even though you'll play 12 of them this is the one that matters more than any other and there's already a certain nature of hype associated with that but when it comes to george bulldogs who espn rightly so has is its preseason number one team right now the the hype that they give you for that first big game not the first big game for but the number one rank on the list of the biggest games for uh for georgia here this upcoming season once again they kind of turn the uh, hype up to a level that even sort of a hype man by nature like me would say wow that's kind of a lot uh you might not be surprised to find out that tennessee is the team that espn is hyping for georgia mark schlebaugh is the guy that's given the job of writing this blurb and so i, I want to give this to you and then want to explain to you why even if you kind of laugh at this there is still a, a reason in which this sort of starts what i believe is a relevant conversation for uga fans let me read you mark schlebaugh espn.com here about georgia he says their number that they should say their november 18th contest at tennessee is going to probably be the most difficult game that georgia plays he says the tennessee figures to and listen to this quote tennessee figures to be out for blood after the Bulldogs knocked off the number one volunteers 27-13 at Sanford Stadium last season in a game that uh, Schlebaugh correctly points out wasn't even that close. So we certainly agree with uh, Schlebaugh that the uh, game last November for Georgia against Tennessee wasn't very close. And we certainly agree that Tennessee was humiliated that day because of its inability to to keep pace with Georgia we will acknowledge that they would love nothing more than to be able to go out and get revenge against Georgia here this season we're just not quite so sure they're capable of fielding the kind of team that can do that in other words the emotion that Schlebaugh describes for uh, Tennessee against Georgia I'm sure that's there I'm sure they are embarrassed by the fact that they were not ready for prime time coming into Athens last season I'm sure they love the idea of creating the kind of home field advantage at Neyland Stadium here this year that rivals what Georgia put together in Athens last season but believing that's going to be able to take place requires forgetting the fact that Georgia also humiliated Tennessee at Neyland Stadium in 2021 essentially did the same thing in 2019 there as well for a Georgia team that really wasn't all that great 
The point is, is this idea that, oh, you better be careful. If you're Georgia going up to Knoxville in November, you better be careful because Tennessee's going to be out for blood. Well, guess what? Tennessee, I think, thought it was out for blood, uh, you know, coming to Athens this past season, but ultimately it was them who ended up doing all the bleeding on that particular day. So, you know, I don't hate the fact that uh, Mark Schlebaugh is hyping up the Georgia-Tennessee game or that ESPN is charging him with the duty of hyping up the Georgia-Tennessee game. And I don't even hate the thought that oh, Tennessee might be out for blood that day i'm sure they'd love nothing more than to try to strike a blow of revenge against uga i just don't quite know as a team if they are capable of doing it and you know this is one of those things that i do think that georgia should take you know kind of seriously here for a moment that, that you've got a game coming up at some point in time even though your september schedule looks very easy your october schedule looks very easy eventually you're going to go on the road to a team that'll likely be pretty highly ranked there that day and may or may not be good enough to keep it close georgia should at least be aware that a game like that could loom here during the 2023 season but if you listen to georgia players talk and they talk about these things quite a bit you know the notion they're going to take tennessee more seriously than any other game they'll play there's just not much evidence that's the case, that Tennessee will probably get Georgia's best shot coming up in November, but that's only because Georgia gives its best shot to everybody. In fact, the other day, uh, Javon Buller was talking about that in the uh, uh, media session that he did, kind of his first media session here for the 2023 season. Bullard, one of the real stars at the end of last year when Georgia put together a national championship run, and the question came up about just the absolute total domination that Georgia showed against TCU in the national championship and you know what it was that kind of led to that but as Bullard explains and this is the kind of thing that Tennessee fans ought to be aware of and everybody that plays Georgia prior to that uh is that the same sort of focus and energy and intensity that Georgia brought to the TCU game the national championship is the same focus and intensity it wants to bring to every game whether the opponent be out for blood or not this is what Javon Bullard said about that just the other day my mindset just going into every game is treat every game like it's your first game like you you play your hardest whether it's the national championship I feel like I played as hard as I did the Oregon game and I did versus TCU. And that was the first game of the season versus the last game of the season. But um, just keep every game the same game. Like, don't try to be too big in the moment. We don't need you to be anybody else but yourself. And that's the thing about this defense, man, and just about this team in general. We just did what we had to do. So I think that's all great from Javon Bullard. I think most of us say that's true. However, it's at this point that I kind of want to take the conversation into a slightly different direction. Because I do think understanding the nature of the 2023 schedule does kind of help inform what Georgia's doing right now for spring practice. That Georgia is getting ready for an upcoming season, but this is a season that's a little bit different than previous Georgia seasons would have been. Last year, you can make a case that spring practice might have been slightly more important because Georgia was getting ready for a season opening game that was going to take place against Oregon now that's not to say that um that they're already preparing for Oregon during spring practice we know that's not the case but it is to say that there was a test coming right from the very beginning of the season so all of your preparation in March April May June July August all of that preparation was perhaps a little bit more focused and perhaps a little bit more directed because as players have told us in the past there's just a different kind of energy when you know you're playing a big opponent in week one if that was true for georgia in 2022 it was also potentially true for georgia prior to the 2021 season there as well when it knew it was going to go to charlotte and open up against clemson a team that had one national championship has been a fixture in the playoff there's just a little bit different kind of energy about such a big test coming so early in the season that pretty clearly a lot of your preseason preparation was maybe done in the back of the players' minds knowing that, hey, 
we got to be ready to go right from the word go because we're going to face one of our biggest tests here at the very beginning of the season. But here in 2023, we don't expect that to be the case. Now, it is a, there is a chance that Georgia is just so good that nobody tests it. I mean, that's at least a possibility for the back-to-back national champions. There is just not a test that exists on this schedule because no team is actually capable of truly pushing Georgia in that direction. At least possibility that's the case. But if we assume that Georgia is going to be tested at some point in time, then I do believe the ESPN writer Schleybaugh here is correct in pointing out that the most likely test is late in the season when it goes on the road to Tennessee as opposed to early in the season. This is a barren September schedule. Georgia was supposed to play at Oklahoma. By now, you know the reasons that was canceled. So you're talking about the likes of Tennessee Martin and Ball State and, uh, you know, what, uh, UAB. There's the game against South Carolina, but Georgia beat them 48-7 last year. You think about going on the road to Auburn. That's a first-year coach. You have no idea what that means. That ESPN is probably correct that Georgia's season might not be defined until very late when it goes on the road to Tennessee which gives some of the work that Georgia's doing right now a little more time to actually work itself out different Georgia player here for a moment uh, uh Senator Von Prong Granger the terrific center for UGA he was talking to the media the other day there as well and he was kind of talking about his decision to return to Georgia and the new offense that's playing around that and the work that Georgia's doing to kind of get acclimated with a new voice offensive coordinator a new starting quarterback and the process that's undergoing there and despite the fact that some of the terminology is staying the same and the overall vibe around Georgia staying the same SVP says when he looks around here he does see some differences and so Georgia because of the soft schedule early has a little bit more time to work out some of those uh, I guess new things here's Cedric Von Prine kind of giving voice to all of that first of all I just want to thank uh, coach Monk of everything he's done for us I think he's done a tremendous job of making sure that you know we were in great positions to be able to win and you know he deserves everything that's coming to him and I'm so happy for him that he's gotten that position um, and I think Coach Bobo has done a tremendous job stepping in. I think he's given us a lot of energy. I think he's knows what he's talking about. He has a lot of different things that he presents. Um, and to be honest, it's been really, really fun just to kind of have this new challenge of these new people and this, you know, really how we look at it, um, new offense, new team, um, and just kind of approaching it in a way that um, this is something new. So, you know, how are we going to attack it and what are we going to do about it to make sure it's successful? Why, why do you look at it as a new offense? Uh, just for the simple fact of um, there's a couple of new pieces and every year is different anyway. You know, nobody has a guaranteed starting spot. Nobody has solidified themselves in this offense yet. So when you go to add all of those pieces and you have to add that chemistry, um, new offensive coordinator, you got to learn tendencies, what he likes to call different situations, um, you know, things like that. So to an extent, it is a bit new. So there is no more articulate spokesman for the Georgia offense than Van Prawn. He knows the scene around here pretty well. He's been here for a while. And by my count, he used the word new five times in describing the Georgia offense, the transition from Munkin to Bobo and the new quarterback that's going to be in place. It obviously sounds like Van Prawn thinks they can be really good in offense if you watch the full video, which you can see on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Pretty clearly, Van Prawn right now sees this as an offense in transition which all the more valuable then to not have your, if we believe ESPN here for a moment, all the more valuable then to not have your season-defining game until November because that gives you just a little bit more time to sort of figure out during spring and during the summer what this new offense is exactly going to be. In fact, let me give you a number that sort of backs this up. Think about four different seasons in the Kirby Smart area here thus far, 2016, 2017, 2020, 21. These were seasons in which, The quarterback that started the first game for Georgia did not become the eventual season-long starter, that the first game starter eventually became the backup at some point in time during that season. 
2016, it happened because of the emergence of Jacob Eason. In 2017, it happened because of the Eason injury. In 2020, it happened because of the, frankly, ineffective play of Dewan Mathis. And in 2021, you know, the story there with Stetson Bennett. That's four seasons in which the Georgia offense we saw week one was not quite the Georgia offense we saw for the lion's share of that season. Now, who knows how it plays out in 2023, but Georgia has used the in-season portion of the year to kind of figure itself out before, and it may be a luxury to be able to do that again this year if it's true that ESPN says that your season-defining game won't take place until November. But then there's finally this. The thing that I will always remember about the 2022 Georgia-Tennessee game, and in fact, a 15-0 season that included a national championship and a thrilling win against Ohio State, a dominant win against TCU, and but everything that you could have along the way to a back-to-back go-for-two-and-22 type year, I think it's actually the Tennessee game for me that will be the most memorable moment from that season. When I think back on that year, it's the Tennessee game I think back on almost more than anything else. And the thing that I remember so much is, is the pride that Georgia took that day in being Georgia. And it wasn't just the players and the coaches, as we said, going into the game. The fans were going to play a big role in all of this. The fans were going to kind of create the kind of atmosphere that, as Kirby Smart had said, Arkansas game in 2021 and, and, and times like that, adding to the point total for Georgia, taking points off the board that Tennessee might have been able to score or the opponent might have been able to score. We said the fans were going to have a role, and, and clearly they did that so well that particular day. But there was a real pride in Georgia being Georgia. There was pride in being the national championships and not national champions and not wanting to relinquish that crown, that title, not wanting to give it over to Tennessee after just one year of enjoying it. When you start thinking about 2023, it's pretty clear that pride still exists with UGA in the idea that there is a team in your own division for the final year we're going to have divisions in all likelihood who's out for blood to take that away from you. That might be just the exact kind of thing that gives you the focus that you need to truly go out there and as we'll talk about eventually go for three in 23 there was a statement that javon bullard made last week that has really rung in my ears ever since then it wasn't about tennessee but it is about this particular topic that the pride that georgia takes in itself almost becomes more fully filled out when you have something that challenges it the way that tennessee did a year ago the way that ohio state did in the peach bowl or whatever else but pretty clearly after two straight national championships uh the pride that georgia has in itself the pride the players have in their program is not diminished at all if anything it's been enhanced and bullard who is so good at being a spokesman uh, also said that last week. Let me let you hear from a Georgia player one more time here. Just wearing his G, like we said in the room, this G is darn it just important as your last name. This G is, is very important, and uh, people love and respect this G. And you gotta, it's, it's an honor, it's an honor for us, man, to wear this G. So you gotta respect it, whether you on the field, off the field, and you just gotta do what you gotta do in order to um, just not bring a bad name to this G and to your last name itself. So you really just gotta watch what you do, watch your surroundings, and just. So let me sum all this up this way. Spring practice is ongoing in the SEC. ESPN looks up north to Knoxville and says, that's a team that's going to be out for blood against Georgia this season when the two teams play in November. However, down here in Athens, you've got guys like Javon Bullard saying, the G that I wear on the side of my helmet is just as important to me as my last name. You think that team's afraid about Tennessee being out for blood? You think the Georgia team that's about to play in 2023 is any less focused, any less intense than the one that dominated Tennessee a year ago? This is a lot of what spring practice is about. It's not just figuring out position battles, and it's not just kind of figuring out pecking order. It's also cultivating a mindset. 
And the mindset that Georgia appears to be cultivating right now, based on what Javon Bullard is saying right there, will be just as capable of managing any challenge in 2023 as it managed in 2022. There may be teams out for blood, but when you're number one, you definitely have a bullseye on your back. Sounds like Georgia's pretty comfortable with that right now. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch when the radio at noon on athens sports radio 96 the ref uh available as a podcast wherever you find them apple spotify worldfamousdognation.com just lots of ways for you to connect with our program we really appreciate you doing that and we certainly appreciate our friends at pella window and door of georgia making it all possible you know you've heard me talk about pella windows and doors for a while now you know that they're energy efficient they also look great so here's what that benefits you home feels better on the inside looks better on the outside better curb appeal potentially improved resale value for those of you that are homeowners i know how you feel about wanting to do everything you can to take the best possible care of your home well equipping it with those pella windows and doors those energy efficient windows and doors that really allow your home to perform at like the optimum level that's obviously a great thing to be able to do so if you've heard me talk about it if you're aware of the fact that survey after survey here in our market area demonstrates that homeowners recognize this as the true brand leader then maybe the appropriate next step for you is to have that free initial consultation uh and, and you know kind of have that sort of no pressure consultation with one of those pella experts and by no pressure i mean they're not pushing you to sort of sell anything it's your choice to make if you want to buy it or not but it's an educational conversation for you to put your hands on the product especially if you stop by and see them there at that uh, duluth experience center and kind of hear from one of those pella experts about what makes the pella windows and doors such a superior product and after that you can kind of talk about the installation options and everything that kind of come your way financing options even if you want to do that you can even find out about some great savings there as well because a few more days to take advantage of this between now and march 26 you can get 50 percent off qualifying installations or no payments no interest until 2024 so stop by and see them in their experience center in duluth or visit them online pella of ga.com slash dog nation that's pella of ga.com slash dog nation or you can give them a call 678-638-1429 that is 678-638-1429 1429 Palo Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. I'll also tell you this while I've got your attention that we've had a great series up at dognation.com right now. Jeff Sintel, Kaylee Manzella, part of this. It's what we call our next generation series. It's uh, presented by Palo Windows and Door. So, really good look at like Monroe Freeling. And I think, was it, uh, I forget who the, I think it was Raylan Wilson was at the most recent one. Uh, but it's, it's a great look at some of the newcomers to the Georgia program, all courtesy of Palo Windows and Doors. I hope you'll check that out on the uh, Dog Nation video channels and dognation.com and all that there as well. All right, we have a very busy show coming up. I do need to pause for a moment and you know there are a lot of times in which you know like real life just sort of creeps in and this is one of those uh for me and i promise i'll be brief about this but it's just kind of been a hard year you've heard me say that before uh we've obviously experienced that around the georgia football community you know i've kind of dealt with some of this personally my uh, grandmother passed away recently and I'm sad to let you know that uh, my wife's mom also passed away over the weekend. Now, my specific reason for telling you this is is because uh, it's going to impact my schedule a little bit. The funeral is going to be on Wednesday. I don't quite know what that means for us here as of yet. I just I, I just don't know. But um, uh, but that is a thing that's going on. And as I told you before. It is a hard year. Uh, I have to go ahead and let you know that this is maybe not the last time I'll be talking about something like this on my side here this year. It's just kind of the way that it is here right now. 
I am so grateful. Um, you know, her name is Martha. Uh, my kids called her Grammy. I am so grateful for her impact in my life because, I mean, she raised a girl that has made me very, very happy. And to have that kind of experience in my life, the great family that I have because of the influence that she had on my now wife, I mean, you know, how do you put a price tag on that? Uh, you know, she was not the world's biggest Georgia football fan, but she became one because of me. And she had no relationship with technology whatsoever, but she also sort of figured out how to watch the show each and every day there as well, which is just kind of a little bit of a window into what she did for those that she cared about. She was interested in what they were interested in. She found a way to support them in whatever that was, whether it be me or uh, my wife, my wife's brother, or you know, my grandkid, or her grandkids, my children. Just um, it's a hard time for our family here right now. Many of you kind of know that you've got your own hard things that you're going through here right now. So. I at least want to be honest with you about what's going on in my life. We obviously started to deliver this show on a consistent basis. I don't know what this means for us yet on Wednesday, but um, I do, do just want to kind of put that out there and celebrate the life of a, a woman who is very, very special, but to uh, also kind of let you know it is going to have at least some impact on our show here this week. So no easy way to kind of transition back to a regular conversation there but we are going to try to have a fun show we've hopefully already gotten off to a pretty fun start and we're gonna to try to keep that going uh despite the circumstances john stinchcomb here comes up in just a moment we also want to go around the doghouse here right now and around the doghouse provides us an opportunity to revisit a topic we talked about the other day you may remember there had been some reporting out there that uh, georgia co-defense coordinator glenn schumann was a candidate for the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator job. Now, what we said was, let's wait and see what happens with Schumann after this. Because, you know, Eagles play for the Super Bowl. Schumann's still really, really young. You know, the idea that he could leave Georgia, go be Eagles defensive coordinator, maybe that's real, or, or maybe this is one of those things that sort of gets put out there, whatever else. Let's wait and see what kind of, like, financial compensation Schumann gets as a way of determining how real all of this might have been overtures from the philadelphia eagles or who knows who else uh, if the if the eagles thing became public there could have been other teams behind the scenes there as well well guess what we do have a little bit different picture of the schumann uh, uh compensation package now and it kind of leads us to believe that all those rumors involving schumann and philadelphia well they must have been true let me read you this mike griffith dognation.com on the subject of uh, Glenn Schumann here for a moment, uh, Schumann getting a very big raise for the upcoming season. Uh, Mike writing that Georgia co-defense quarterback Glenn Schumann is going to receive a $1.9 million salary in 2023. That is more than double his salary from a year ago. Now, you also find out that uh, Mike Bubba is going to make a million dollars next year. I guess he's also still getting paid some from Auburn. So fun to think about Auburn paying Bobo to score touchdowns against it here this year. That's always a fun deal. Uh, but that's why Bobo may be a little bit lower than the overall market rate right now for a top-level offensive coordinator. But the thing we're talking about now is Glenn Schumann. Schumann going to be paid $1.9 million next season, which leads you to believe that whether it be the Eagles or other teams, whatever else, that folks came hard after Schumann, and Schumann has decided to stay at UGA, which to me is a total validation of the culture and the program that exists at Georgia, the fact that Schumann still wants to be a part of it, even working in kind of a co-defensive coordinator type role here right now. And to me, this is also a little bit of a validation for Schumann there too. 
Glenn Schumann is pretty clearly a coaching talent on the rise, and Georgia would appear to be still very lucky to have him. And as Georgia goes for its third straight national championship this season, or go for three and 23, if you will, as Georgia gets ready to do all of that, Schumann is a real weapon in the arsenal to be able to get that done. In fact, let me give you some words here that I played for you before of Will Muschamp, who kind of works with Schumann as co-defense quarter. You know, a lot of folks sort of think of Will Muschamp as the veteran, and Will Muschamp's the real engine that makes this defense go. That's Kirby Smart's buddy. That's Kirby Smart's friend. And Schumann's just there to sort of learn from, uh, from, from Will Muschamp. But trust me when I tell you that that is not the correct picture here in all this, that Will Muschamp is, of course, uh, a very sharp coach in his own right. But from Muschamp's own words, the guy that gets a chance to work with Glenn Schumann is truly, as we said before, a coaching star on the rise. This is what Muschamp said about Schumann last August. I knew of Glenn, but I didn't know really know Glenn till last year. and had a wonderful working experience with he and, and Dan and Trey Scott. And obviously, Coach Smart is on the defensive side of the ball a lot. Um, but we had a, a really good rapport as far as our, you know, what we needed to do to be successful. And there's nothing's going to change with that. We have a great working relationship. Glenn's promotion, in my opinion, is very well deserved. He's an outstanding football coach. He's extremely bright. Um, he has a great rapport with his players. Uh, you know, and you really look at the, you know, Coach Smart's going in the seventh season here at Georgia. You know, the two longest tenured coaches would probably are Glenn and, and Dale McGee. And you really look over those seven years, consistency of their position groups probably is the best uh, th that's been here in those seven years. You know, arguably, I'm sure that's different years. But um, but his position's been very productive. He's recruited extremely well at his position. Uh, he's just an outstanding football coach. He has a very good understanding of what we do defensively, how we adjust things out, um, and, and he's always looking for a better way to do it and always researching those things and what can we do to get better uh, in those situations. But I really enjoy working with Glenn just because the intelligence, the football intelligence he has and the passion he brings uh, to the job every single day because those things are really important and the players see that and they understand how invested he is in them. So I've gone very, very long here. So let me just try to sum this up in two quick things here. Thing number one is this. Glenn Schumann has had this great reputation as being a great recruiter and that's a reputation that's well earned. But if teams like the Philadelphia Eagles are coming calling for him in such an aggressive manner that Georgia has to pay Schumann $1.9 million to keep him, they are not coming after him because of his recruiting abilities. The NFL doesn't care about that. That's not what you do in the NFL. They believe that Glenn Schumann's also a good on-field coach as well. So the fact that, Schu that, that Georgia has Schumann's acumen still a part of this coaching roster here for this upcoming season, that is truly a very valuable commodity. But there's also this. If you think about Georgia as kind of a long-range story here, Glenn Schumann is clearly a young coach that's thriving at Georgia despite the fact that there are veteran coaches also in this coaching roster. And the way in which Schumann is thriving, getting job opportunities, getting paid, eventually, much like his predecessor Dan Lanning moving on to be a head coach, would make you believe that if you're a young coach that Georgia's the kind of place you want to be. Much the same way there's never enough good players to go around, there are also never enough quality coaches to go around finding good coaches that can fill out your coaching roster is just as hard as filling out your player roster there as well. So the fact that Georgia can point to proofs of concept, guys like Dan Lanning, now Glenn Schumann, only makes other young coaches who want to be upwardly mobile more attracted to a place like UGA there as well. So $1.9 million is pretty clearly good news for Glenn Schumann. And while he doesn't plan on giving any of that money to me, I'm not guessing, 
it's good news for all of us who are truly Georgia fans. It shows you that the Georgia machine is making stars out of its young coaches, which means there'll be another crop of young coaches looking forward to being at Georgia here very, very soon. That is around the doghouse, and good to have you here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Before we're done with the program, some recruiting news. Georgia got a commit here recently. We'll give you a brief reaction to that. We can also confirm five-star quarterback Dylan Riola's presence in Athens here this weekend. We obviously talked to Jeff Sintel a lot about that on Friday. So we've got all of that coming up for you. But I told you, I went a little long off the top here, and I apologize for that. I'm late getting to John Stinchcomb, but his opinion, valuable nonetheless on what's happening right now for Georgia spring practice. The emergence of Glenn Schumann is one of the real rising stars in the coaching ranks either the college or the NFL level, whatever choice he wants to make there, and so much more. Let's do it with John Stinchcomb here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia and our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb. Happy to have him on the program here today and apologize for getting to him late. Boy, we are running late today. I hate that but uh nonetheless john let me bring you in on the uh, discussion we were just having here uh glenn schumann gets a big raise leads me to believe that whether it be the eagles or maybe even some unknown commodities here somebody came after him and a young coaching star on the rise more than just a great recruiter although there may not be a better recruiter on this georgia coaching staff than schumann gives you an idea that georgia's got a pretty valuable commodity in schumann and it is great news i believe for the program that it's able to hold on to him for at least another year is that your take on all this as well yeah absolutely i I think it one it shows the value that the staff and, and really the entire athletic department has in glenn schumann and his ability to contribute to the program and also uh, the fact that he's a, a coveted commodity, that he has earned his way into the conversation for a lot of teams that see him as an upgrade of what they currently have and what they can offer. So, um, again, this speaks to the landscape of Georgia football these days, and, and you can't make the comparisons to yesteryear of, of what a coordinator made and, and their role just because of uh, – the explosion and exponential growth in um, what what college football looks like to a university these days. Yeah, and to me, you know, prior to the 2021 season, Dan Lanning had a chance to leave Georgia and go to Texas. This was right when uh, Steve Sarkeesian had been hired there. Obviously, Texas got seemingly a you know a unlimited wallet, and so therefore you assume that they really came after Lanning with a big opportunity money wise, and Lanning chose to stay at Georgia. And I said a lot in that 2021 year that Lanning's decision to stay at Georgia I think was kind of an underrated reason why that Georgia was able to win the national championship clearly you know Kirby Smart's a great defensive coach and there's a lot of good defense coaches here but I thought that Lanning kind of brought a spice to all of this and I think the Schumann thing here from a timeline standpoint feels a little similar to me that listen if Glenn Schumann had gotten a big opportunity had taken it gone somewhere else then you know more power to him I guess and Georgia probably would have still been fine even with the coaches that it still has in place. But there's something about holding on to this young energy, like Lanning in 2021, Schumann here right now. There is something to me about holding on to that that kind of gives Georgia the right kind of boost going into this 2023 season there as well. I think this is one of those headlines that could get lost a little bit, but I truly think this is substantial news, but also very good news for dog fans. Yeah, absolutely. I think Coach Schumann has done an absolutely incredible job. I think they've got great rapport on that defense. I know there's 
uh, you know, the folks look at the comparison of salaries between Schumann and Muschamp and recognize that, you know, those are two different animals. And, and the, what Muschamp is still getting paid from his previous head coaching job and et cetera. But um, you, you look back at the, the history of the position, right, D.C. at Georgia and, and what Coach Lanning did and really the improvement that he brought to the program and the, and the synergy that was created. And we've only grown from that. And, you know, I appreciate the opportunity that Coach Lanning had, what he, what he brought to the table, and then recognized that he saw a, a unique opportunity that he had to take advantage of. And let's be honest, at some point that will happen for Coach Schumann as well. And I, I'm grateful that it's not this year where he's uh, moving on to, you know, uh, a, a bigger position, a bigger role, a bigger opportunity. Uh, especially looking at, uh, across the ball and, and seeing that there's a, a big change in the offensive coordinator position. So I think anytime you have the opportunity, one, to create um, some continuity from year to year, and two, retain some high-level, real quality at, at any of the positional coaches, much less a coordinator spot, um, it's, it's really good for the program when you're able to retain pieces like Coach Schumann. I think that's right. I want to transition to something else I also talked about before you joined us, which is you know, ESPN's kind of having some fun. They're already hy- kind of hyping the Georgia-Tennessee game. I, I don't quite know that Tennessee's going to be good enough to to be as much of a challenge to Georgia as, as ESPN suggests that it might. But I still think the idea of in this final year, we believe, of the SEC East, that there is a potentially formidable foe. I think anything like that has a tendency to want to kind of focus your direction a little bit, and that might turn out to be good for Georgia – but also, John, as I said before you joined us, you know, the, not, the idea that Georgia might not be really, if it's challenged at all, the fact that it might not be really challenged until November, I think gives Georgia a little bit of a luxury that the stuff it's trying to figure out during spring practice can stretch that into the summer. And the stuff it wants to figure out this summer, it can even stretch that into the season if it wants to. There are four different instances in which Georgia decided to start a different starting quarterback at some point than the guy it started with at the beginning of the year here during the Kirby Smart era. You know, maybe there's that opportunity for this quarterback battle here this year there as well, too, to kind of also be extended into the season. The point is, is that Tennessee really is Georgia's biggest game and it doesn't take place in November. Then to me, that also kind of shapes the way in which Georgia will go through its preseason preparations. What do you think of all that? I agree. I think you look at the opportunity for a quarterback to develop and, and get some actual real game reps against opponents that probably don't uh, strike the same fear in your hearts as some later on in the season, especially um, – yeah, Let's be honest, the SEC is still the best conference, but there's space that's been created between Georgia and most programs at any, at, in any location across the country, and specifically in the East and the SEC. Um, that's not to say that you can just roll your hats out there and expect to win. I don't, I don't see that happen. I think there are going to be some close games this year where you know, we're going to be talking about it afterwards, like, ah, do you think – you know, is, is Georgia not as good, or is this program better? Do they have an off? No. I mean, it, sports are competitive for a reason. And just because on paper Georgia should win does not mean all these games leading up to Tennessee are going to be cakewalks. I, I think you can expect some uh, some growing pains, and anytime there's a changing of the guard, much less at any position, but specifically at quarterback, uh, there's a transition period. Anytime you have a coordinator that changes, there's a transition. So uh, I, I think all the national talking heads are right in looking at the schedule and saying, 
you know, that in, in years past, there's probably a different, uh, more difficult walk that you have to take to get to where you want to go. Uh, and, and rightfully that you, you pencil in and circle that Tennessee game is one of the biggest tests that Georgia will face during this season. But that's not to say that uh, there's, there's not challenges throughout this, uh, this season and this uh, schedule for Georgia that are going to really test them and, and you're going to have to improve as the year goes. I think you're bringing up a really important point. I've talked about this before, that if you look at the last team that won back-to-back national champions, ironically, championships, ironically, was a team that Kirby Smart was on the coaching staff for, Alabama in 2011-2012. However, their chance at a third straight national championship was upended by the most unpredictable team probably of all. You have an Auburn you know, team with a glorified high school coach leading the program and a defensive back playing quarterback, and yet they win the kick six game. They go on to win the SEC. They almost beat Florida State for the national championship. That's the kind of thing that prior to that, no one would have seen coming. And it's really not my you know belief that there's necessarily going to be that kind of team that steals Georgia's joy this year. But, John, I do think – I don't care you know how much you love UGA. I would say that you and I love them as much as anybody could. I don't care how much you love UGA – you have to be on guard for surprise here this season because college football does have a way of surprising you. Yeah, I think Michigan would love to play TCU again. I think Georgia a couple of years ago when Brian McClendon was leading a pretty dilapidated South Carolina team, that team would want that game back, right? I mean, you look back and you say, you know, how did this team end up winning? Or in our case, how did we end up losing? And that's the that's one of the joys of college football really any sport but specifically college that it's it's truly any given saturday and you have to show up and play and if you make boneheaded decisions and you you give the ball away and you create opportunities for a team that every team that georgia faces is going to try to knock them off if it, you know that's the measuring stick you, we circled the tennessee game as uh, you know folks in the media of what to watch Every team that plays Georgia has that game circled. That is the measuring stick. That's the bar that they need to clear. So you can expect their best. It's hard when you're that top dog. You, you hear uh, Coach Belichick in years past, Coach Saban talk about it, that uh, it, it's a real challenge to get to the top, and it's even harder to stay there. And that's because everyone's gunning for you. And I, I appreciate and love the approach that Coach Smart laid out last year that we're not going to be the hunted we're the hunter um and and you just have to expect that every time you play uh, you're going to get the team's best and you better be willing to match or exceed that that level of commitment and that energy that you bring to the table it's our marlo's tavern insider update with john stinchcomb and of course he's our insider talking to uga football but you can be the next best thing you can be a marlo's tavern insider in fact you can join the insider club at marlo's tavern for free and i've talked to so many people who've done this it's really a great way to take advantage of something you may already be doing which is enjoying the chef inspired food and the craft cocktails for which marlo's tavern is famous so here's how it works when you go to marlo's tavern.com and sign up to be a part of the insider club first of all it's free to join and it's special thank you for joining you get ten dollars off a thirty dollar order just 
for signing up. That's a big thank you just for joining the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. And after that, you go for what's called qualified visits. That means when you spend at least $15 at Marlowe's, you're going to earn a qualified visit. Once you get four of those qualified visits, you'll receive a complimentary entree reward up to $20 at your next visit to the Marlowe's Tavern, including the one right there in your neighborhood. So you can do this at any Marlowe's Tavern. So find out at Marlowe'sTavern.com more information on that. That is Marlowe'sTavern.com for more information on that. And of course, all these big games and all the excitement that come up in the 2023 season. All of this, uh, the preparation to get ready for those games taking place right now at spring practice. John's been going on for a couple of days. Media got to watch a brief window of this the other day. There's some there's some chatter. There's some discussion out there thus far. It seems like quarterbacks about what you'd expect and some of the other stuff that's going on, maybe a little bit similar to what folks would have thought there as well. What's the early buzz that you've kind of paid attention to or maybe what's something you'd like to see a little bit more of or hear a little bit more about as we roll towards G-Day coming up on april 15th yeah i think it's the expected chatter right i mean everyone wants to focus on the quarterback rotation and who's in the early lead and that's to be expected i don't think you're going to get a a complete picture at this point as to who's going to be the guy under center based on really based on the entirety of spring ball but what you can do is kind of to start framing that picture of what it's going to look like and you know, quarterback is obviously the marquee position where most of the focus is, but there's a number of places that you're looking around going, I wonder how this position group is going to be deployed. I look forward to seeing how that secondary shapes out and uh, who is where. I want to see what happens with the outside linebacker positions. How do we replace the leadership that, that was lost on the defense? How do you uh, create those opportunities for guys like Nolan Smith and Robert Beal Jr., who have been, golly, seems like they've been at Georgia for at least a decade, uh, specifically Nolan, and not only their playmaking ability on the field, but the leadership opportunity. So this spring practice it gives the these guys time to continue to build, and you know, like we saw last year, I think Georgia was one of the top five teams in numbers of, of reps that freshmen and redshirt freshmen were getting across any program. So to see that level of success with guys that are so young and contributing early um, needs to be a, a mainstay for Georgia because, you know, now it's almost like they're the seasoned vets, which is crazy because they've been on campus for some of them maybe a year if they were early enrollees. But um, that's kind of the nature of, of college right now is, is you're going to rely on some of these younger players to come in and develop. And I think that's why you're seeing uh, these freshmen really that should still be sophomore, or excuse me, seniors in high school trying to get in and part of the program quickly. So this spring practice is really, uh, aside from bowl game practices, their first chance at carving out space for themselves uh, to contribute when the fall rolls around. So how are these younger early enrollees and, and guys that were freshmen or redshirt freshmen last year, how are they staking claims to some of these position groups? I think that's some of the, the bigger storylines that we all should pay attention to is um, this spring practice rolls out. And I'll finish with this on that, I guess, kind of same note is I'm obviously not a former player you are, but the picture I have in my mind is, is that moment when you transition from having competed against high school players and having worked at a kind of a high school pace 
to now being at Georgia where you're competing against, you know, you know, the monsters of their own high school, wherever that was, you know, all across the country, but also operating at this unbelievable pace. And that's one thing that you do notice is when you go to Georgia practice, I don't get a chance to go to all the practices the media gets good to because I don't live in Athens, but I am there it's the pace that's the first thing you notice the way in which you know rep goes boom 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 and guys move from one station to the next and there's just this constant motion where you're constantly having to be aware of what you're supposed to do next but also just physically be able to keep up with it john how hard is that for a for a guy transitioning from high school to sort of step onto that college field and try to get acclimated and comfortable with this as quickly as possible the pace of these college practices especially at a place like george is just so different i'm imagining that what most of these guys are used to Oh, it's got to be. And, you know, we're two plus decades removed from when I experienced it. But the the speed and power, which specifically in the box, that you have to operate for, you know, these young guys, offensive, defensive linemen, outside linebackers, tight ends, um, that leap is significant. And, you know, same probably holds true on the perimeter for the wide receivers and secondary guys. But, Specifically, if you're looking at the interior, uh, you're used to going up against uh, a lot of players that are no longer playing football uh, when you're when you're in the high school ranks, and when you're lined up across an Amarius Mims, uh, it, it's a little bit different, right? It's it's different when you've practiced against um, you know some of the very best across the college football landscape. If you're an interior lineman and Cedric Von Prahn is across from you, you can pretty much expect that uh, you better have eaten your Wheaties and, and gotten in the weight room because it's a lot different when you face, you know, national championship level line play, offense, defensive line wise. I think that's why it's it's so impressive when you look and you see, um, you know, Ernest Green. How has that development come along? Uh, because that jump is significant and. Uh, Friday Night Lights, even against the very best, is going to be uh, hardly comparable to what you experience every day in practice. And so uh, I think getting up to speed and, and why guys come early is so that they can recognize the work that they need to put in, specifically in the weight room and uh, between practices that get you that opportunity to actually contribute when the season rolls around john it's great stuff i appreciate you being a part of our marlo's tavern insider update i'm looking forward to our marlo's tavern vip insider lunch here this week there as well and your insight always so valuable when we talk georgia football so thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of it and of course we'll look forward to doing it with you here on our program again very soon as well uh, i always enjoy it i'm looking forward to tomorrow getting some marlo's and so uh it's well, you, you get a double dose of me this week, B.A. I'm always happy to do that, John. We'll look forward to it. <laughs> All right, brother. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, John, a great guy. We had such a great response to our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Lunch. Uh, really appreciate everybody who uh, signed up. Can't wait to hang out with a few folks here. Uh, this week on all of that that is going to be uh, a great time by the way speaking of great times also almost a month away from our 
Dog Nation Cruise coming up as we go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We've been highlighting as of late a few of our Dog Nation daily audience members, whether they be listeners, viewers, whatever else, who have been taking their own Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. I love all of that. And I'll remind you as we head towards spring and summer, great time to get booked up on your own Royal Caribbean cruise. Jessica Slater is a terrific travel agent to use, by the way. We think the experience of booking a Royal Caribbean cruise is made better when you use a great travel agent because this is one of those things where, and I'm being as candid as i can be right here because i've obviously have some experience with this is that there's a lot to consider when you book a royal caribbean cruise you've got different stateroom types you've got you know different itineraries obviously different ports to 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 embark from you know there are a lot of variables to consider and if if you don't have a lot of experience cruising or maybe you haven't cruised in a while then you know kind of dealing with the um with all the different variables can be a lot to do and so someone like jessica who's a great travel agent you know she's specifically recommended for us by royal caribbean it's very interesting that royal caribbean actually encourages you to use a travel agent when you book a cruise and the one we had specially selected for us was jessica so this actually comes from royal caribbean they believe your experience will be made better by using a great travel agent so i want you to give jessica a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147. If nothing else, you can talk to her about the video you're seeing on the screen. The debut of Icon of the Seas, January 2024. Not too soon to start thinking about that. Maybe not even too soon to start booking your Icon of the Seas travel. Jessica can help you with all of that. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we'll kind of squeeze in here a uh, recruiting note here. Five-star quarterback Dylan Riola, as promised, did take his visit to Georgia. Also took a visit, I guess, Georgia Tech there as well. Let me show you this on the screen. Steve Wiltfong, 24-7 sports writing, and that uh, Riola and his family enjoyed a weekend trip to see Georgia and Georgia Tech. Maybe the first time I've seen uh, Wiltfong write about Georgia Tech and recruiting in quite some time. But nonetheless, uh, you've, you've heard me jokingly say before, I don't know that anything sells Georgia better than a stopover at Georgia Tech for a little comparison and contrast there on that of, hey, you can have this at Georgia, or this is what sort of average division one fbs level school looks like probably a pretty good comparison there uh, if you're george nonetheless riola showing some respect to buster faulkner and honestly i mean i think a lot of georgia fans it, they're they're in kind of a weird spot when it comes to buster faulkner because clearly they can't root for tech to have any success that's clean old-fashioned hey but do they kind of like buster and they kind of you know hope that he is what they thought he was as an analyst on the program yeah maybe that's the case uh maybe that is indeed the case so uh you know faulkner at the very least gets a visit from ryle well that's something the previous coaches couldn't have done uh you know had they you know promised a trip around the world you know so so buster faulkner's at least doing that and by the way in the absence of uh faulkner georgia it seems like you, you know a lot of folks kind of wonder well, what's next from kind of the analyst standpoint because faulkner's not there uh bobo is now offensive coordinator what happens to that analyst that's kind of been the guy that's sort of been the quarterback whisper in the past it seems like a guy you may have heard of the son of brian van gorder uh, montgomery van gorder they call him uh a gummy that's his nickname gummy uh this is a guy that you know sort of a fixture on the high school scene for a while was it buford was it north hall as a quarterback and then uh obviously the son of brian van gorder it seems like he's doing some good good work kind of in that analyst role now for georgia so a lot of folks kind of wonder what was next on that gummy van gorder may be one of those quality control offensive analysts that you start to hear a little bit more about there to place like georgia but the point here is is that Ryla was at uga sounds like he enjoyed the visit we'll talk to jeff Sintel more about that coming up I saw where Laramie Tunzel, the former Ole Miss Rebel offensive tackle, has re-signed with the Houston Texans. I think it's $50 million guaranteed, $75 million overall, which now makes him the highest-paid offensive lineman in the NFL. And 
It's one of those things you're about to hear highest paid a lot because there's an inflated salary cap in place. I don't mean inflated in terms of it's higher than it should be. I mean that it's just higher than it was. Uh, inflated salary cap in the NFL. And so a lot of free agents that are that are in this you know kind of time right now who get a chance to resign, they're going to be putting up record numbers as they do. Tunzel just the latest example of that. But it's also a reminder of what Tunzel has become in the NFL. I mean, good enough to generate this kind of salary after one of the most embarrassing draft nights we'd ever seen when the you know the the video came out of the marijuana and the whatever and the the mask and the whatever everybody kind of remembers all of that and it's a little bit of a reminder that listen you know if you have something embarrassing come out about you prior to the draft near the draft obviously it's the kind of thing that's going to you know give nfl teams pause and i would say with good reason remember this is a league in which Coaches don't last very long. GMs don't typically last very long. There is not tons of job security, and none of these men are going to risk their professional future on you if you give them any reason to doubt you. That's just the nature of the beast and kind of a risk-averse profession like this where everybody's trying to hold on to their job for at least another year. But we also have evidence here that draft day embarrassments or pre-draft embarrassments are also not always uh a signal that the career itself is not going to turn out to be what it's supposed to be in the case of laramie tonsil i'd say the houston texans don't have much going for them are probably pretty happy to have him they're clearly paying him like that so think about that with this upcoming nfl draft there as well you're gonna hear about red flag this and blah 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 that and in some cases that may even hit a little close to home but in the case of tonsil you can't have a more embarrassing draft night than tonsil had and yet, and he even put something on social media about this the day, all he's doing is counting money right now. So uh, just sort of keep that in mind that, that sometimes these uh, red flags don't turn out to necessarily be a harbinger of doom. Uh, I'll also mention one more thing here before we wrap up our uh, SEC through, which is I would say that it's a pretty good time for the SEC and the uh, NCAA tournament. It's sort of better to be the SEC than Big Ten right now, I would say. Uh, pretty embarrassing tournament for that league, as most people, I think, kind of predicted. A lot of paper tigers near the top of the Big Ten. That sort of turned out to be true. You've got Tennessee advancing by beating Duke, and I'll take my medicine on this a little bit. This is not a Tennessee team that I thought was capable of being in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, but uh, pretty clearly yesterday when I thought it was a pretty good game, uh, they showed themselves uh, truly capable of doing that. They're just simply tougher than what um, – uh, what Duke is you know Duke is the worst stereotype the worst character of what it always is kind of a front-running team when the basketball is pretty uh, they're certainly the best at that but when the basketball gets a little bit more rough and tumble they quite can't handle the heat and uh, that's kind of what happened there against Tennessee it seemed like it was a game that was somewhat officiated a little bit loosely and then obviously plays in the hand of the physically imposing Vols and uh, for the most part Duke kind of wilted under all of that so this is a Tennessee team that I did not see advancing I'll give them credit for for doing so i'll also shout out eric musselman here the arkansas coach who certainly in that particular sport looks like he's on his way to being one of the most respected men in that profession he has once again arkansas playing a very impressive brand of basketball and i think they're worth paying attention to they got a, a game coming up against uconn uh this upcoming thursday arkansas only an eight seed but i think you got to take them seriously here in the rest of this tournament i think musselman is coach one of the big reasons why and then finally, I'll say this, and this is one of those honesty compels you to admit type of things, is that if you are a fan who kind of viewed this tournament as an opportunity to root against Alabama, hoping that Alabama doesn't win the national championship, I got to imagine this was a pretty tough weekend for you overall. And on the opposite side of that coin, if you're an Alabama fan, I think you've got to feel much better about your chances of winning the national championship. I really wasn't all that aware of what their pre-tournament odds to win the title were. 
I would be interested to know how much they may have changed, though, here over the course of that first weekend where a lot of the teams that I thought were capable of beating Alabama are no longer in this tournament, which maybe means they weren't that capable to begin with. But my assumption is, hey, an Arizona team or a Kansas team, you know, these were teams that if you were looking for the option to maybe wrestle away this trophy from Bama, those were your best chances. Now they're gone. Let me ask you this for those of you who follow this tournament at all. How many teams do you realistically view as capable of beating Alabama? Now, there is a chance that we have kind of a, you know, Kevin Ollie, UConn national champion this year and sort of some sort of weird team kind of without the, you know, kind of seeming building blocks for title ends up winning it. But if we assume that a championship level team is going to win the championship, how many of those other than Alabama are still remaining? I guess UCLA, I would certainly give them a strong chance. But beyond that, you know, who's really capable of doing this? On the one hand, I guess any kind of surprise could happen. But if you're looking for the most likely teams to beat Alabama, most of those that I would have said prior to the tournament are no longer playing. So it is getting, to me, all that much more likely that the Crimson Tide could cut down the nets and their process of fully becoming a basketball school, I guess, could be completed. So we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Quick shout-out here on the recruiting note for Georgia. Obviously, recruiting time heating up. A lot of visitors to dogs over the course of the last few days, including high-profile guys this past weekend. But also DeMello Jones, let's give a shout out here, great looking athlete out of Swainsboro, great uh, talent rich part of our state, uh, making his commitment here to the University of Georgia. Really nice uh, edit right there. This is a guy that's ranked inside the two, top 200 in terms of uh, the overall recruits and said before, you know, kind of listed as an athlete. You want to read more about him there at dognation.com. Jeff Sintel has got a great story coming on the heels of his recruitment. It sounds like there have been a little bit in the works between Jones and Georgia here for a while, and he went ahead and pulled the trigger just the other day. So good story up at that on dognation.com about what I believe, what, the 10th member of this 2024 class for Georgia. So things starting to come together here nicely. And I think Georgia has already a lot more recruiting momentum for the 2024 class at this point in the year than it probably had this time a year ago. We saw how well that worked out last year. So, you know, the hope remains that maybe this could be as good as, if not the best recruiting class that Kirby Smart's put together here at UGA. Early results suggest that's a possibility. And congratulations to DeMello Jones joining in on that here last week. And with that, we'll wrap things up here today. All right, on a different note, uh, first of all, um, you know, the Lady Dogs season came to an end. They did lose to Iowa in the NCAA tournament yesterday, so uh, we wish them well as they move into the offseason. A good run there, beat Florida State first round, then lost to Iowa, so not great news for them yesterday. Even worse news for the Diamond Dogs on the field, but we'll use our golden shoe here as sort of a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is Georgia looked awful against South Carolina, just absolutely awful. But the good news is I do like these new baseball uniforms. Kind of a cream look here with the uh, red script writing for Bulldogs. That's an awesome looking uniform. So we'll give them a golden shoe for some really nice duds. But unfortunately, not a great weekend on the field for the Diamond Dogs. Honesty, once again, compels you to admit. However, it'll be better news for Georgia coming up later on this fall in Jacksonville. And what is possibly the final cocktail party of all time. Uh, Georgia getting a win again against those lousy stinking Gators. How about this? Twos across the board. My daughter calls this an angel number, 222. 222 days from right now. We'll make that our Gatorator countdown, and we'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia.